Our next guest uh, is, uh, his name is Constable Dale Swift. Uh, you may have seen him. He was uh, part of a feature on Global News Television. Um, he's been an officer for 11 years with the Toronto Police Services, and he is working to bridge the gap between police and marginalized communities. He happens to be a black police officer, and uh, we reached out to him to just get his thoughts right now after he posted a seven-minute rant on Instagram following the death of George Floyd. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on, Constable. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. So why was it important that you comment swiftly after the death of George Floyd via Instagram? Uh, well, it was interesting. I actually got um, a message from one of the youth in one of the neighborhoods that actually I'm not even really directly involved with. Um, and this youth, I would have to say from before, was very anti-cop. And for whatever reason, we, we built a relationship and, and he, he calls me and what have you. So he sent me this clip. And uh, this was the first time I'd actually heard about it. And I was off on my days off at home. And he's like, Swift, can you talk about this? So I looked at the video and he sent it to me. And I was like, first, I thought, this, there's no way this is real. This, this can't mm-hmm. be happening. Like, this is, but I'm like, how? So it was actually very disturbing when I watched it. And the second I finished the video, I, I said to myself, I'm like, okay, when I go back to work, on Thursday, I'm going to do a video in uniform and address this. But then I, as I thought about it, I was like, no, I'm going to do one right now because people who I said uh, to reach out um, that I'm going to be a support for you and, you know, let me know if I can do anything for you. Um, knowing that there were individuals who were looking for me to say something and looking for some guidance in a very pivotal time, a very frustrating time where people had multiple types of, of, of feelings. I was like, I need to do this first and foremost as a black male who is an officer. So I sat, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you what your major message was for people that haven't watched that seven minute rant. Can you summarize what you actually said on that Instagram post? Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, the, the message pretty much was always try to be a better version of yourself. Um, it, it's situations like this, like the good thing about this and unfortunate good thing about the situation is that it gave uh, marginalized people, especially black people, a louder voice, not just between black and whites or just in the States, but it was on a global level, uh, which so now they feel like they're being heard. Because when you look at the protests, it's, it's every type of culture, socioeconomic situation. It's any type of person who is doing these protests. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. So it's so that was great in that sense. And it brought to light a huge issue that is a human issue, and that is racism, because racism affects everybody. It doesn't matter what your background is, it doesn't matter what your color is. And at the end of the day, it's very easy to point fingers and say, this person did that and that person did this. But it's like, how are you betting, how are you bettering yourself to, to be a better version of yourself to then make change? So that was my challenge to everyone else, and that was my challenge to myself, being a black male and a police officer, being the best versions of myself and combining that and using that to spread positivity. And this is the time we need to be together. That's got to be hard to do because, I mean, I, I didn't even finish the film because to me it was it was so disturbing. I, I mean, I view it as a, it was basically a snuff film and uh, I just yeah. it, it's just unbelievable. People are calling for an end to the systemic racism right now and they're pointing to the, the police force to change all police forces all over North America and the world. How does that make you feel as a black man and as a cop? Well, I'll tell you, when I was watching the video, uh, it, 
I, I was I was playing into my head in both roles. So as a police officer, procedurally, what we do in regards to this, especially not having a very dynamic situation as you deal with things very differently, right? Because there's no, your stress level isn't high. Uh, and then as I'm watching the police officers, I'm watching George Floyd and I'm just like, okay, I am, this is probably how I would be if I'm being arrested by police officers, very calm, you know, what have you, even if there was a bit of a spurt, like a verbal spurt, I would make sure that I am following the rules because, well, I'm arrested. Uh, and then seeing how it all played out. To but there were debate. no rules, though. Humanity had totally broken down. All four officers had lost their sense of humanity. Uh, 100%. And the second that the, the officer went on his back and put his knee on his neck, on his neck, that, that's not procedure. You're right. That is mm-hmm. not procedure. Uh, for, for nine and a half minutes, having multiple chances to readjust himself, uh, listening to people that were first frustrated who are now concerned saying you're killing him and stay there nonchalantly. This was a disturbing part for me. Nonchalantly stay where he is because he chose not to move. There was absolutely no regard for life whatsoever from this officer. And he just didn't care. And that to me watching as an officer and as a black man is, is disturbing on both levels because that is not policing. That is murder. Like, we investigate people like that. We don't like mm-hmm. people like that. So when I saw the situation, of course, I had multiple feelings in regards to what had happened. And then I thought to myself, I said, okay, h- how am I going to move with this moving forward? And one thing I definitely did was not go on social media and, and look at all the various things and so on and so forth. Because I wanted to make sure that my, th- my thoughts were my own. And, and I have a responsibility to my community, to my poli- uh, police officer family, um, to my black family, to really do this the right way. And uh, when I saw that, it made me feel, first of all, really, really proud of the officers in Toronto that I know who are black, white, Chinese, and you name it, who are significantly great officers who are really trying to make a difference in their communities, despite how communities may feel at them or may feel about them and individuals may feel about them. Like they're in it for the right reasons. And it really, um, and I think at the same time too, me speaking out, I think also helps other officers who are of a minority feel as if they have a voice now. You're talking about officers of a minority. If I could just jump in here, how important is it for more diversity on the force? Because when you were a kid, when you were a kid, apparently joining the, the force wasn't even on your radar. Not at all. Not at all. And especially growing up in Chesterly, like I had situations with police officers where I was jumped by police officers. We'd know which officers who were coming in. So if we saw them, we'd go the other way. Right. And then the other, and then at the, at, on the flip side, we had officers who came in, which we had no problem with, which we'd actually talk to. Um, so I saw both sides growing up. Um, and I think that was really significant to do, but yeah, it was definitely not on my radar <laughs> to be a police officer. One yeah. So two. if, <laughs> If kids see more diversity on the force and people behaving in a manner that you're talking about that's respectful and that are serving and, and protecting, would they be more apt to follow in your footsteps to join the police force to be part of the change that needs to occur? So, ironically enough, before all this stuff happened, I had a lot of people of, of various races saying, I want to be a police officer. Like, you are a good role model. We like what you're doing, the stuff that you're talking about. Like, we really want to you know, really join it, just really make that difference. Um, and then when this happened, 
a lot of those same individuals started questioning if they wanted to be a part of this. And I, I sat down with one young black man yesterday, actually, at, at, in Sparrowways, um, and he was like, I don't know, Swift, you know, I was going to do it, but I'm so concerned about, like, if I did, how would I be viewed by Black Lives Matter and how how would I be viewed by, by my community? And I looked at him, I sat him down, and I'm like, it comes down to what is your intention? Why do you want to become a police officer? And he's like, well, I, I really think I, I, I have a lot to offer. I really want to make a change. I want to show youth that they can do something different and they're not always a victim of their circumstances. I said, exactly. So I said, if you know that and your thoughts and your actions are genuine, that is exactly what we need on the police service. So we had a long conversation about that. He's like, you know what? You're right. He's like, I don't know why I even question this. And I had those same conversations with a lot of people, either on my DMs or my phone, talking about the same thing. This is the time we need officers to really come. And it's not just black officers. It's, it's officers who understand the importance of communication and community development, because realistically, we are nothing without our community. Nothing. All right. Let me ask you this, because you were a former youth mental health worker. Yes. Do you see the merits of defunding the police to give to other social services so that we actually... Uh, you know, we were talking about defunding the police and a lot of people, uh, immediately smokes coming from their ears. What? We can't afford, we, you know, we don't have enough police to go to the calls that we're, uh, receiving right now in, in the city of Toronto, yeah. but we have to rebuild what's broken somehow. We have to fix what the wrongs that have been done and we need to get social services in place. So as a, a former youth mental health worker, could you see the merits of this? Because it, we've got a lot of cops with burnout as well. Oh, 100%. Like, when I heard about defunding police, like, personally, I just, when I heard that, I didn't really think too much about it because I'm like, that's not going to happen. It can happen in a city that is so big. Like, we are one of the biggest um, cities, like, in North America. So defunding us, that's not your answer. But finding money for other resources and other like social services, 100 uh, percent, that's something the government is going to have to figure out. Because in the situation and what we're in now, it's not only about the police, it's not only about the social services. It's legitimately those organizations, every single one of them, finally having conversations together. Because I can tell you, going into certain areas, that there's, it's said that they have a lot of social services to their uh, to their disposal. And when you really look at it, on paper, there's tons, but they're actually not there. But aren't we sick of conversations? Like, I don't, I know it's important to talk, but when I say aren't we sick of conversations, we kind of need action. And I think the people on the streets and the mass amounts of people from different walks of life that, that have poured onto the streets during a pandemic yeah. are saying that. And, you know, we were, I was uh, reading a, a piece in the Toronto Star um by uh, a woman she has been working she's a black woman she's been working uh with uh you know lobbying the government to make changes and she used to see small wins and small incremental changes as big wins but she's like you know what the time is now we got to keep the momentum going so you're saying that we defunding police is not the right way to go but we need to see action asap we do and and when i say there's communication what i'm the thing that unfortunate situation is that organizations don't talk to other organizations. So mm. everyone would have a med, like for instance, I would know one thing about a community just based on my interaction with a police officer. Social services would also know that community based on their interactions. 
uh, school board and teachers and principals would also know a lot of those kids from those areas um, and know a lot of information that we don't know. But what the problem is, is no one's talking to anybody to really figure out what is the best approach in all these communities because everyone's trying to deal with it on their own. That doesn't work in a big city like this. And, and then yeah, we, the, we need uh, information sharing. We need to 100%. have a conversation about what everybody's doing. It's sort of like the city uh, used to be out of touch, and this is a weird weird analogy to bring in, with uh, the hydro and the road work and the TTC work. So they'd rip up a road, uh, lay down um, new tracks on the TTC, and then six months later they'd rip up those tracks to do uh, water water main work. And it's like, yeah. did no one did no one talk to anybody here? I only have a few seconds left with you. I want to ask you, Chief Saunders is stepping down. What qualities do we need in a, a police chief to ensure that we get transformation, we get modernization, and we have an end to systemic racism? Um, we need a chief who recognizes the, the concerns of the neighborhoods. Uh, we need a chief who is going to put himself out there and feel comfortable being uncomfortable and having those conversations that we tend to kind of, you know, shy away from because it might have a, a political part of it or it might be risky. And, like, those are the kind of conversations we have to have that will then gain trust from our community. So we need that. They need to be very aware in regards to the police officers in those communities, what they're doing, what is working for them. Like, he or she has to, they just have to be involved in every aspect and so they can pull everything together and see what is working and what's not. Big city, big job. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for having me on there. Have a great day. Cheers. That's Constable Dale Swift, who's been working for 11 years to bridge the gap between police and marginalized communities in Toronto.